You mentioned how they might defend the way that they're doing things. There's a reason, and it's not easy to change. And they have to decide, are we gonna go through? Is this worth trying to go through and replace all of this architecture, all these systems and these processes and change? They can decide. And I'll tell you what, they're not going to make that decision just based on how a personal individual feels about it. Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad spectrum sales prescriptions. And all you have to do is fill them. The prescription of the day, Rusty, the discovery call. The discovery call. The discovery call. This is an important one. It's interesting, like how valuable a discovery call is. I mean, there may be some listeners that maybe don't sell software or, or more complex sales that where they may not call it a discovery call. How would you define it off the top of your head? Yeah, discovery call is really the first initial call that a salesperson would have with a customer to start talking about their environment, their needs, and see how they match the solutions that you're selling. A lot of times it's the first time you're meeting someone and the first time you're really talking through their situation and scenario. Yeah, so you've heard me talk before um, for our listeners, you've heard me talk about sales development and, and, and how sales development functions and works. And usually in sales development, we call the discovery calls also known as like a handoff call. It's uh, when sales development officially is saying, I'm handing this to the person that's going to potentially close it and I'm going to walk away. So discovery calls are near and dear to my heart. And it's kind of funny. I think about when I think about discovery calls, I think about how the expert of the discovery call should be the AE. Mm-hmm. Like the AE should be great at these because it sets the tone for the entire sales process. The discovery call does. Absolutely. It's huge. first impression. Yep. But I think about how many times I've had an, an SDR call me after a discovery call fuming. Mm-hmm. And they're so upset because they're like, Ron, I could have done that discovery call 10 times better. Ooh. And they're just disappointed. Like I have like this natural reaction when you said that as it just kind of hurts. <laughs> like, yeah. But but it should. I mean, so, I mean, there's fantastic sales developers out there. Absolutely. But, you know, in theory, you've kind of done those days. You've kind of been through it. You've become an account executive. You should be able to handle these conversations in a fantastic way. It should be impressive to your sales developer. Your sales developer says, I could do that better. Ooh. I, yeah. I, I mean, of course, they don't hear that, but you're right. It happens all the time. And you may be thinking like, oh, maybe it's because they're working with new AEs. No, like there are times that account executives or closers, whatever you call them at your company um, on the enterprise side, really do not take discovery calls seriously. And I think there's a lot of aspects to this, Rusty. But but first of all, I just want to say the biggest one is, do they actually care to progress the opportunity or do they feel like they're so busy that they're just trying to qualify it out? Mm. You know, and, the, and there's a mentality in in the sales world where in a discovery call, do I qualify out or do I qualify in? Do I try and turn this into something that I that I sell or do I try and figure out whether or not I'm wasting my time by trying to sell to this person? And some of you may be thinking like, this is insane. Like and people are passionate about this. Like I've talked to AEs on both sides of the fence here. Some that are like, well, yeah, I try to sell to everybody. I try to sell to anyone that'll listen to me. I try to create value. I try to build a relationship with everybody that I talk to. And then I talk to AEs that say, oh, I'm, I'm really busy. I've, you know, I've got a lot going on. I don't have, I don't have time to waste on p- people that aren't going to buy in their opinion yet. 
Um, and so they're just looking to qualify out quickly. And, and it's, it's an age old debate, not one that I think we'll solve on this call, but, but definitely something that is to consider. Regardless of what you're doing as a salesperson, you should be able to be conducting these discovery calls and these first calls in a way where you are selling, you are finding value, you are helping a customer to see the light and what your solution can do for them. And even if you get to the end of a call and you make a determination, hey, this is probably not an opportunity, you should still pretend like it's the only opportunity you'll ever get and sell it really well and work with them really well. And you don't have to tell the customer when you get to the end that you don't want to continue to engage. You should really try to sell and find opportunities because you've got to set yourself up right. You can't show up with a an attitude of, of trying to qualify out or you're like suspicious of the customer. Like, who do you... What do you do? You really have a project? Yeah. How much budget do you have? That's not, that shouldn't, that is not the purpose of a discovery call. Yep. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to go through what an incredible game changing discovery call is like. Yeah. So I would say like all of the best discovery calls start before the discovery call ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts in the preparation. Rusty, when you train your closers on discovery call, and you talk to them about preparation prior to the discovery call occurring, what primary things do you tell them to focus on building up to the call itself? That's a, a great question. There's a few things. So we'll kind of jump into some different aspects. So the first thing that you need to understand about any prospect or customer that you're talking to is you need to be able to understand what it is that they do as a company and what department your prospect is in and what their typical role might be like. Even if you have to speculate, you need to find out as much as possible as to what does the company actually do from a business perspective? What are, what are the motions they're doing and what is the role your, your prospect is playing? That's number one. Now, as you get into that, and as you get into a discovery call, one of the recommendations I make is first understand what they do, get into their website, find out some of the things that they value. Look on their website, see some of the things they're proud of that they're putting out there customer use cases. They're, they're talking about some different initiatives. If it's a publicly traded company, take a look at their earnings call transcripts. See what some of the initiatives that their CEO cares about. Because if their CEO cares about an initiative, you can better believe it's pushing all the way down to the organizational team. And if you can find out how to weave some of that into your conversation, like, hey, I understand you have an initiative where your organization's building out a whole new fiber network up in the Northeast. And I see that's a big, big initiative and you guys are really growing on the business side. Like you're trying to, to sell a lot of your services to business customers. Is that right? When you can say things like that, it really lends credibility. So you want to be prepared in that way with some of your own research. So that's number one is being able to research and understand the company. And then before you move to number two, let me tell you this. 99.9% of people don't do that. No, they do that's not. That's one reason why it works. It works. Is because you're out of the gate differentiating yourself from every other person they're going to meet. Because if it, whether they're in market or not, they're going to have multiple discovery calls. And at the end of the day, you have made a huge differentiator between yourself and the other people that they're going to talk right. to. And then the secret sauce there is, what are they proud of? What are they highlighting? What do they care about? Because you got to talk about what they care about. Mm -hmm. The second thing that's a secret sauce is if you can give yourself a little bit of time to try to envision what it is that they do, it helps kind of prepare some talking points and some scenarios and even tie together stories that may match. Okay. The second thing is what does the individual seem to care about? So when you go to LinkedIn, you can kind of see that that's how they're publishing and broadcasting themselves. Look at some of the recommendations people have given them. Look at some of the skills that they're endorsed for. Look at their title. 
Look at the description and how they describe themselves. Try to infer who this person might be. And when you do an introduction, mention some of the things, again, that they are personally proud of. So if you understand those things in context and you can figure out how to weave them into a call, it can really help you to, to endear yourself to this individual. The next point of preparation is you have to find out what your company already knows, which is basically, let's say a sales developer or a channel person or channel partner was on the call with a customer and they talked to this customer for 20 minutes. Think about all the questions that were asked. Think about all the information that was gained. You know, how many employees do you have in this department? What kind of a CRM system are you using? What kind of, what what are some of your processes today? The customer has already shared that information and believe it or not, they expect you to know that. They expect you to know that. In fact, I remember being a sales rep, Ron, and in multiple instances, I remember asking a question early on, like, so tell me about how many, how many contact center seats do you have? How many contact center agents are in your call centers? And they would say, I already told you, we have 220. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a salesperson, I had never heard that before, but my sales developer did. <laughs> they told him. Yeah. The, the stupid thing about this too is we'll often hear, you know, speaking from the sales development side, we'll often hear we didn't qualify it well enough. And what's interesting is regardless of how much information I force my reps to gather, the same questions end up at being asked in 90% of discovery calls. They do. There's not, even if it's in the notes, like it's in the notes in Salesforce, it's whatever. I recommend in your preparation, if the call's coming from a sales development rep, if the call's coming from a partner, have it a verbal conversation with them prior to the discovery call. Yes. Don't just look at the notes and because, you know, not all sales developers are great at putting notes in or, you know, writing notes down as they talk to people. But if they just had a conversation with somebody, they'll remember and you can ask them, hey, did you find out what CRM they're using? Did you find out how many agents they had? Did you find out these bits of information? Right. And then it really carries a ton of weight to the prospect to say, hey, you know, I know you already talked to X person. I actually just spoke to them for the last half hour about your guys's discussion. It's okay to do a quick recap without yep. asking them the questions again. So you can say, my, what I gathered from your previous call is you have, you know, 56 agents, you are using Salesforce for your CRM, you are doing this, you are doing that, and these are the problems that you're having today. Yeah, and, 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 and even as you go through and ask the questions, instead of saying, what CRM are you using? You say, hey, it's my understanding using Salesforce. Is that right? Yep. It's a totally different question. It, it lands completely differently. Yep. The other thing I would say is even on a preparation side, listen to the call a little bit. Take a little excerpt of the, of the actual conversation if you have a recording and listen to it so you can hear the kinds of intonations, the rate of speech. You can hear how this individual communicates. Again, help you mentally prepare yourself to communicate with them. Like, and I'm asking you for a lot to do a lot of things, but I'm serious. If you really prepare in this way, especially if you're an enterprise sales rep and you're, you're talking about a potentially very large account or very important relationship, get prepared and get ready so that you can align yourself and your psychology and the way you communicate with them. There's one more thing. The other thing you need to do is if somebody's going to introduce you on a call, like a discovery call, this is going to sound vain, but it's okay. We're sales. We like vanity. <laughs> no, this can sound vain, but tell your sales developer or your channel partner or whoever it is that's introducing you to introduce you in a really positive light. Mm -hmm. Don't let them show up on the call and say, 
oh, hey, yeah, this is uh, this is Ron. He's assigned to your account. He's assigned mm-hmm. to your territory, so I got him. He covers your state. Covers your state. Don't do that. Say, actually, after our conversation, I really feel like I needed to get Ron Halbert on the phone. I'm glad he's available. He's here, and he's really an expert. When it comes to contract generation and helping to design processes that help optimize the contracting process, Ron is excellent. And he's helped a lot of customers. I'm very excited that he's here. Ron, you want to say hi? Now, by doing that, you're set, you're, they set you up as a salesperson in a way where all you have to do is just prove that you're competent by giving them a couple of tidbits of great information that makes them feel like they can, they're good. Versus starting from scratch and saying, oh, he's assigned to you, he's here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, here, you know, she's, you know, she, she's a part of your state. I mean, she's in your state, so she's here. Now, then your sales rep, you know, what she, what she has to do then is prove herself again and again and again and try to build all this credibility. When somebody else tells someone that you're good, that, that gets you 80% of the way there. Then you just have to not make mistakes and prove it. Okay, yeah. so, so those are some things around preparation that are really important. Yeah, I mean, you think about sales is 90% building trust. I mean, it doesn't matter how smart you are and what you know. If they don't trust you, you're done. Yeah. So you can gain that trust by leveraging someone else's positivity towards you. Now, I will say that, like, become that person for your SDR. Become that person for your channel manager because they don't want to lie. Mm-hmm. It was really uncomfortable. And I, you know, I had, I've had AEs yeah. that I supported where it was like, I'm like, oh, great. It's in his patch. <laughs> I've got to schedule this. And then I'm, and then on the call, I'm like, Hey, I'm really excited to introduce you to so-and-so they're an expert. And I'm like, I feel, I feel like an idiot saying that. Cause I know it's not going to go well. And if you ask yourselves about to introduce you in a positive light and they never do, that's your sign. <laughs> <laughs> you should work on that relationship. Exactly. We had one that we had one, a one time rusty. It is kind of funny. He wrote a script for his own intro for all the SDRs. It was, it was a hilarious thing. But. I mean, it sounds vanity, but. If it's, yeah. if it's good, it's good. It is. So within now we've talked about preparation, like getting to the actual discovery call right. itself. Right. And I know that you, you train on this a lot, you know, Rusty runs a team of closers and, and often, you know, they do tons and tons and tons of discovery calls. You've been able to kind of break it down into some components mm-hmm. that discovery calls entail. Walk us through what those components are and we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into each one. Yeah. And, be, and when you get past the introduction component, right. Mm-hmm. And you start gaining the meat of the discovery call, this is really where all the magic happens. And those three components really are first going through and asking a series of environmental questions, understanding their process, their environment, their technologies, et cetera. The second is when you find issues and you find opportunities to sell or you find pain or wherever it is, it's going through what we call a pain funnel or asking a series of questions that really go deep to the root of the issue. And then the third aspect of of a successful discovery call is then being able to translate the problems that you identify and the goals that are identified and turn them into a business outcome. Those are really those three areas. So let's let's take a deep dive into each one and just kind of you know, talk about what they entail at a deeper level. So from an environmental question perspective, mm-hmm. walk me through, what does that mean? What, what are the environmental questions mm-hmm. that you require? So from an environmental question perspective, it's just trying to first become curious, become genuinely curious. And this is a situation where you shouldn't feel pressure as a salesperson. Sometimes salespeople feel a lot of pressure on a discovery call and that if they ask too many questions, they may get answers or they may get questions back that they don't know how to, how to solve for. 
And what you need to do is is think about a, a, an environmental question as, as a scenario where you're just trying to understand what it is that a customer does. So tell me about how you do this process today in, in an example at like a company like, like Nice. So talk to me about your contact center agents today. So what kind, what is their process like? What kinds of calls are they taking? And then just be genuinely curious about what's happening. When you talk about the business process and the environment as to what's happening that's related to your product and just ask them the linear path as to what is the business operation look like. Then ask other questions. What is your technological environment look like? What kinds of processes and technology are you using? How long does it take to accomplish specific tasks? Where are some of the issues you see with that, right? And as you ask those environmental questions, you can also preempt some of those questions with statements. And by preempting questions with statements, you can say, hey, typically this is what we see. So for example, if I'm talking about salespeople, since we're all salespeople on the phone here, right? Or on the, mm -hmm. the podcast, I would say, you know, typically a lot of salespeople, they tend to spend a lot of time chasing and doing administrative tasks. So they're going and having to build quotes and they're pulling out templates they've built and sharing templates around the office. And they have to take those templates and populate line by line items. And sometimes they make mistakes and, and, they, and they, they try to manually create these quotes versus having a tool that can automate the process of creating a quote, guide them through the process and with the click of a button, generate a beautiful quote created by marketing. That's great. Mm -hmm. So what is it like for you? Now, by preempting that with a statement, I'm saying I'm relating to them. I'm saying this is typical versus this. And then what do you, what is your process like? Mm -hmm. And what that can do is it can guide them into a specific issue. So sometimes if you're trying to dig into a problem, you can make a statement and, and try to pull information out. But the purpose of these environmental questions and trying to understand what's going on is to find where something is broken, where you can help, yep. you know, where you can see where there's, there's smoke, there's fire. You know, that's what you're looking for. Exactly. And I'll, I'll add to that. I think it's important when asking the environmental questions that you, you aren't coming across in a way that's condescending to people, right? Because right. you, you know, chances are you're asking an environmental question that revolves around what you suspect will be a problem for that company and how you can solve that problem, right? So it needs to make sure you need to make sure you, you come across as curious and not condescending. True. Um, Cause there is Very a true. difference between those two things. Very true. Now, a lot of people will stop there, Ron. Like literally the whole discovery call is just asking some qualifying questions and asking environmental questions and just moving on and saying, Hey, do you want to see a demo? And that's not effective. That's not effective to help them make decisions in their company. You've got to go deep. You yeah. got to go deep. So you talk about that. So we've gone through the environmental questions. The next thing you call the pain funnel. Mm -hmm. I usually just call it goals. Like, like what, what problems do you, you know, mm -hmm. what goals do you have within your organization to improve? But I like that you call it pain funnel. It kind of makes it feel different. What, how what does that include? I guess. Yeah. I mean, it really, what it just includes is just kind of digging deep into a problem, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know, when you, we talk about this idea of like a pain funnel, like find the pain, find the goals, like, you know, every sales methodology has a different approach, but really it's just kind of a funnel because you kind of start broad and you just go really deep and specific into finding out what's going on and again in a mentality of curiosity. But let's just say that we identify, yeah, it takes a long time to create quotes. Like building these quotes is, you know, you know, I get to the end of the day, everybody's going to happy hour and, and there I am like, sorry guys, I got to build a quote tonight, you know? Okay, we'll, we'll slip a pizza under the door in a couple hours when we get back, you know. <laughs> like, so when you find there's a problem, whatever it might be, 
What you want to do is just say, well, why is it being done this way? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So they can explain why something is particularly done. And then you go a little bit deeper. Well, how long have you had this problem? How long has this been happening? What have you done to then try to fix it? So after you say, why is it happening? What have you done to try to fix it? Did that work? <laughs> so you ask them, what happened? Then you go a little bit further and say, well, what do you think the impact of the business is? I mean, how is this affecting the company? How is it hurting you guys? Does it hurt revenue? Is it, is it just making it harder for people to do business? I mean, are you losing sales productivity? I mean, what, what, what's happening here? You're asking them that question to try to identify that. And then you make it personal wrong. And you say, well, how does it affect you? I mean, you run like sales operations. Now, a lot of the sales reps, you know, are trying to create all these quotes and everything. I mean, are they, are they bogging down your team? Are they coming in and having you have to commit your resources to help them just do things like build quotes? Or like, how is this affecting you? How do you feel about it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the key, I think, right? At the end of the day, if you can get their pain, mm. if you can get to their pain, like company pain, no one wants to experience it, right? But yeah. my personal pain, me missing my son's t-ball game because I'm here doing quotes until midnight, right. that's that's a pain that I really want resolved yes. and something I can work. And I will say something else about this is when I've heard um, AEs or, or closers get into the pain, I, I've often heard them the way the way that they focus on it is more revolves around immediately looking for what I can do. So like they go in too quickly with the we can solve it. Like it happens so quickly. Like, hey, so what are you experiencing? Oh, you know, quotes take a long time. You know what I can do? To do that for, to solve that problem for you. Yep. They get excited. They jump in right away and they don't ask the question that you asked, which is why do you do it that way? Mm -hmm. And when they do ask that question, why do you do that way? What you'll discover is a lot of people defend the bad way they do it. They do like, oh, we have to because of we're so complex and we do things so different here that we absolutely have to do it this way. Right. But you need to hear that early on. Mm hmm. Because when they defend the bad habit that they have that takes them six hours to do a quote, you're going to hear buzzwords that you know you can solve. You're going to hear, oh, we have 4,000 line items. We have this many SKUs. We have so it takes this much extra time to yeah. bundle things together, you know, manually instead of instead of having bundles that exist or whatever it may be. Right. That's powerful. It's powerful information to gather. It is. And especially when you when you kind of you get context as to what's going on. And then you understand what it means to the business and how it affects them and how it affects people personally. And it becomes real. And then you're set up to really deliver yeah. a solution that fits. Yeah. And you're really set up to do that. So and is that it, the third component or do we already kind of brush no, that's, over that? No, one? that's the third. So like the translating the issues to a business outcome. Absolutely. So we, so in the previous podcast, we talked about the six decisions. Mm-hmm. There are six different decisions that happen in the sales cycle. And shortly after the discovery call, the company has to decide, you know, whether they have three or four vendors or whatever they've had discovery calls, done some research. They have to decide, is this worth going in and trying to fix this? You mentioned how they might defend the way that they're doing things. There's a reason and it's not easy to change. And they have to decide, are we going to go through? Is this worth trying to go through and replace all of this architecture, all these systems and these processes and change? They got to decide. And I'll tell you what, they're not going to make that decision just based on how a personal individual feels about it, they're, they're going to need to make this decision on how it impacts the business. And you have got to get to that. 
And the best way to get to that is to have them tell you that. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different sales methodologies that try to get to the dollars and cents and get really specific. And I actually think that is powerful. It's hard to teach. And there's not a lot of salespeople that can do that well, right? But, but this is- it is, because they can't do math? <laughs> that complex. <laughs> I mean, and trust me, I tried. <laughs> I've taught sales reps like, okay, let's do this again. Like, it's really hard. But in general, people understand business case and they can say, look, I mean- in general, you know, if, if my salespeople have 20% extra time, they're in theory going to get at least 10% extra sales. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an easy business motion to make. But you've mm-hmm. got to change the way your prospect thinks because your champion is focused on pain and issues. They're not focused on business objectives a lot of times, especially early on. You've got to get them thinking about business objectives. And the best way to get them to be thinking about Business objectives is what I like to call the inception, mm-hmm. which is you're planting a menu of options or you're planting ideas in their head by asking a question and just say, so, so I'd ask a question like this, like, what does that mean to your, to your business to fix that? I mean, do you think that you could improve some of your business operations, your revenue by, you know, 5%, 10%? What are we talking about here, Ron? Do you think, I mean, are we, are we cutting costs? Are we improving revenue? What would it be? How would that help your company if that problem went away? Mm-hmm. And then listen to that response. And that response is the key. Mm-hmm. If they can tell you the business case and they generate it in their mind, you plant it, call this inception, right? Yep. You plant it in their mind and then they can manifest and tell you, this is how it's going to help my company. Then you reinforce it by agreeing with them. And that's how you stop. You say, you're right, Ron. I mean, this is exactly what we've seen. And you present a resolution. Now it's time for you to present something as a salesperson. And you present a resolution via a statement, a statistic, or most importantly, a story. So Ron, you're absolutely right. Because when we made these changes over at X company, these are the kinds of results we saw. And they're the same kind of results that you're talking about. And it's right in the range of what you're saying. You're absolutely correct. That becomes then real. And that's the material. That's the material that's needed to give the sale the momentum past the end of the discovery call. That's, that's the secret sauce. Everybody talks about like creating value, right? But when you can take their value, their physical value they gave you, and that's the value that you're sharing. It's, it's amazing what you can talk about because especially you get down to the dollars and cents was they tell you like, yeah, I guess we could increase our, our sales by 10% if we had 20% more, more time on the phones and more time to actually sell the product. And then, you know, if you can ask this question, not everybody's going to give it to you, but you can ask the question, well, what is 10%? How, like, what is the dollar amount that that mm-hmm. equates to? And they say, oh, well, that equates to $24 million. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, man. So a tool that costs less than 10% of that is the barrier from getting you to A to Z? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is, and if you can do it on a call, great. Like, fantastic. And that's my favorite thing. I love doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I love being able to, oh man, you got a hundred contact center. You should pay those guys, what, three grand a month? Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, three, that's, you know, that's, you know, $300,000 a month. You know, 10% of that's 30 grand a month. That's incredible. You think that's practical? I mean, even if it's 5%, we're talking about real money here, Ron. What do you mm-hmm. think? It's five, 10? Oh, yeah. so about 10,000 a month, mm-hmm. about 30,000 a month. And they're like, whoa, like that, that's very powerful. But even just the concept in general, you talk about 10% on labor, that's gotta be huge. As long and as you the think concept what you're is setting there, up you're for, good. you're setting up for 
a future pricing discussion because yes. they're in, and a lot of times they'll ask you on the discovery call and we'll talk about how to close it in a minute, but it happens all the time on discovery calls. Well, how much is this? Right. And it's a, it's a, not a fun conversation if you already haven't created that value, but how cool is it if they say, well, I mean, I guess we might be able to save like 20 grand a month Yeah, and you can, and your response to when they ask how much is the product you say, well, I mean, less than half of what you would save. Yeah, not near that. Yeah. I, mean, close. I, I think you'll have a very good business say. case to get this approved. Yeah. And <laughs> you tell them that. And you can, you know, you can get some value out of that. And, and that affects the fact that you, you know, you don't always have to discount. You don't always have to go crazy. Everybody has to feel like they had a win-win scenario. If you're saving a company 30 grand a month and your product is five, mm-hmm. that's a win-win. Yeah. And this is the starting point and, and your full ROI analysis, your full cost benefit or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and we'll talk about that. We're actually gonna do a podcast just on that, mm-hmm. like cost benefit ROI. And you yep. know, it's one of my, one of my favorite things we're gonna talk about that, but that's the basis. That's the beginning. And yep. this is the, the fuel that will get this move forward. Yep. So lastly, when it comes to discovery call, walk me through how to close it out. How do you, how are you finishing this off so that, you know, you're progressing this deal, you're moving it forward. How does it close? It's a great question. So, and there's really two parts to it, which is first, like how you actually go through the final summary and also how you do follow up. So the way that you go through and you close a discovery call is you then you say, Hey, this is a lot of great information. You know, we're coming up on a little bit of time. You do want to close ahead of the, of the hour. You want to always try to give people time back because if they have an interaction with you and have a discovery call with you and you actually give them time back, they feel like it's actually easy to interact with you. If you make it difficult and you go over, they're like, oh, every time I get on the phone with Rusty, it take you know, it keeps me over five, 10 minutes, which uh, people on my sales team stop laughing because I keep you in your meetings too long. <laughs> but, but you want to stop that, right? You want to make sure that's an easy interaction. And the way that you'll summarize is you'll just say, so first of all, I think we've, we've gotten a lot of value and you want to do a verbal recap of the things you discovered. So when you go through the environmental questions, you go through the pain funnel, you want to do that about three times and you want to try to find at least three points of pain and value that you can demonstrate. And you can say, hey, so here's some of the things that, that we've covered. And you mention the, the issue and you mention the business outcome three times, all three. So you go through and you recap those and cover them. And then you go through and you ask questions. And the way you want to do this is, is and, and this is actually, when it comes to the complex sale, one of the most important parts of closing any call is to actually ask questions about next steps. And the way you do that is you foreshadow the sales process by saying, so typically after this call, a lot of times what we would like to do is to kind of get into some of the details a little bit more, like around some of the uh, of the technological deployments. You mentioned this and this. I would love to actually see how your agents take calls. Or could you walk me through, could you almost like train me as if I was a salesperson on how you create quotes? You want to try to just say, hey, that typically works really well if we do that. And then from there, we can go and maybe do like a high level demo, give you like perspective on what some of the technology does. And then after that call, we could go through and and based on some of that information, if you understanding what the art of the possible is, a lot of customers want to then kind of narrow down exactly what components they want to look at and how they want to look at it. And the idea is to then get you really comfortable before we start bringing in IT and other groups and other people. We want to make sure you feel good because by the time we do broader demos for the group that are more custom, you know, where we get things customized, we want to make sure we're representing you well, you'll feel confident. And what I'm doing here is I'm foreshadowing all the typical steps in a sales cycle. 
And I'm also saying that I want to represent you. I want you to feel comfortable, but I'm kind of saying like how these cycles typically go. And then you ask, does that sound about right? Like are those some of the meetings and things you'd like to have? What would you like to do? So I'm telling them what a, what a typical sales process likes. I'm foreshadowing it and then asking them what they would like to do. And by foreshadowing it, I'm laying out a potential roadmap. And by asking them what they would like to do, I give them the authoritative power to decide the path. But I kind of said, this is what the path looks like. Would you like to walk it? Yes, I would. Then they, then you go through and you, you solidify that. You do need to kind of talk about like what decision processes look like and things like that briefly, but you want to be a little bit more detailed about the next three steps and then general about the rest of the sales process. So then when you're done with that, it helps them see that it's not just about a discovery call and then a demo and then give me some pricing and then I'll make my decision and you go away. It becomes, this is a process that we're collaborating on and we're going through. Okay. Does that make sense? Huge. I mean... uh if you want to win, this is the way to start. And and we talk about this a lot, but this is not the easy way to do a discovery call. No. The easy way to do it is no preparation and the prospect can tell. Yes. Because you ask the same exact questions as what the partner or the hate sales it. developer asked. Like the easy way to do it is is the way that you're likely to lose. Um, don't be the person that says, well, I talked to Nike a year ago and they weren't ready to buy then. I don't think they're ready now. And you're upset that the partner booked you a meeting with Nike. Prepare as if you're going to win the deal. Yep. Be ready. Yep. Absolutely. And then the last step is then to give them the takeaway they can use to gain approval to progress the sale, which is the summary email that you send after. Mm. And the summary email needs to have we call like a three by three. So you need to have the three points of pain or problems that you were able to identify. So try to get three things that are problems that we're trying to solve for. Then correspondingly write down like either next to each other or like below in the same order. Here are the three business outcomes that come from this in a separate little group of another three group. This is the three things that it's going to do for your company that you told me it would do for the company. Okay, including any statistics or metrics you have. Then here are the three next steps that we need to do. Not one. Here's the three next things that we need to do. And this is kind of the beginning of a project management. The way that this looks, it needs to be professional. It needs to be concise. It needs to be um, excellent. Like what you write in terms of a summary needs to look good. And it needs to be somewhat concise, but it needs to look good. Because this is an artifact that is an internal selling document that they should be able to forward right on and just switch your name out with theirs and use it to get people to buy into this project. It's got to remind them as to why this needs to be done. And that internal selling document is the beginning of your project management of the sale. It is the beginning of you helping to guide them through the right process and it's the materials they need to get approval. And that's is critical and you can't scrimp on this love it you gotta do it right love it so that's our discovery call ron it's the right thing to do it's the way to win it's the way to win that's what we want you to do here at the sales prescription it's to win for sure well thanks everybody for listening we really appreciate it um if you have questions if you have uh additional thoughts on this you're welcome to reach out to myself or rusty on linkedin we love to hear from people we do we hear from people all the time now so 
it's been uh, it's been fun to be able to help people on more of a personal basis. If your company needs help as well, then we're happy to step in there. But feel free to reach out. Yep. Like, like, subscribe, rate us, share it with friends. We'd we'd love to help them too. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Thanks.